Welcome to the Westside Gathering Podcast, and thanks for making the time to learn and grow with us. Here, you'll find teaching from our live Sunday gatherings. After the message, we'll say a little more about our church and how you can connect. But for now, let's jump right in. Well, who's excited to jump into some scripture? Yes, yes, I love that. But let me start with the story. Last, and then we'll jump into the scripture. Last week, or two weeks ago, we had the Big Give, and we did this running event, right? And we had, like, piloted six people that ran, and Simon and Sanaz ran, myself, Flavia, uh, Daria, and Curtis. And this group it was so fun that in the, middle of, in, in the midst of six people, they all approached the run differently, so we were like a few minutes behind, and Simon and Curtis were itching to just start. In fact, in the end, when we had to say one or two more words, they were like gone. They're like, we're out. We, we just want to run. And they took off. And uh, Flavia and I kind of kept a similar pace talking throughout the run. We approached this run like, hey, you know what? We're, gonna, we're here. We'll talk with people. Uh, so now, Daria had a really, has been recovering from a really bad knee, so she was further back, and Sanaz was running with her. But then Sanaz ran past Flavia and I at one point. We're like, what happened? And so she runs past, runs past us. We get there. Simon and, and uh, Curtis were already there. Curtis had enough time to buy bagels for everybody and come back. Like that's, <laughs> like, that's what happened. So these guys were like top runners, nods to the competitive dads. They're both dads. And, uh, and Daria ended the race even with a bad knee. And so, so that was her goal. Everyone had a goal. Gary, Dario's goal was like, I want to run later this summer, so I got to just try a run, period. And what I realized is we all had a scorecard in our heads. We all had a scorecard in our heads. We all approached this run differently, right? We all had some kind of goal that would tell us this was a good run. This was worth it. This was valuable. Even though we all did differently and we all ended at different times, we all had a different scorecard. And if you're a parent and you're involved with summer sports, swimming, soccer, or baseball, or things like that, you can tell that parents have a different scorecard when they're on the sidelines, right? Who's with me? I totally, you know, I was involved with that. And, uh, and I mean, some have the, let's have fun scorecard, right? And some have the, hey, this is just like one more time for some improvement today. We're going to get a little bit better. And then some have the, we got to destroy the other team. <laughs> we all know those parents, right? The ones that rush the field and sometimes even smash into the kids. It's crazy. So, so here's what I want to talk about this morning. I want to talk about keeping score this summer. Keeping score this summer. It's not a competition. Don't worry. Uh, you know, we're all saved by grace. It's not a competition. But... Most of us have an idea in our minds of what we would like the summer to be. Some of us, as we look through the summer, we have an idea of, like, spiritually, how, what would I want this summer to look like? Relationally, what would I want this summer to look like? Personally, what would I want this summer to look like? And I think we have a scorecard of what, we, at the end of the summer, we'd come to and say, eh, this, was a, this was a good season. And now, since we have this scorecard mentality in our mind, whether we realize it or not, I think we all do, I want to give us a lens for it, a lens for a healthy scorecard as we approach the summer. It's found in Matthew chapter 22, verse 34 to 39. So you got your Bibles, you can turn to it or follow with us on the screen. We've read this before. We've read this passage. It's a popular passage um, from the words of Christ. It's, it's um, often used as a key core 
kind of anchor passage for so much of Christ's teachings. But here, here it is, okay? And it's coming off a, a discussion that Jesus is having with some religious leaders, and they're kind of dialoguing back and forth. Um, and so here, here we jump right into this. When the Pharisees heard that he, Jesus, had silenced the Sadducees, they all gathered together. And one of them, a lawyer, asked him a question to test him. Teacher, which commandment in the law is the greatest? And he said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the greatest and first commandment. And the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And on these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Let's just pause for a moment. God, we, we've prayed, we've worshipped, but we just want to really briefly surrender our thoughts, our hearts to you because we long to hear from you and long to hear how the words of Christ, your son, um, will influence us in this next season. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. This is a, an awesome text. I love this text. In fact, the, the following Jesus group that I've been a part of this last winter and spring, we start every evening reading this, this phrase, um, and it's, it's wonderful to do. And th- this phrase, th- this, this teaching can be used in so many ways because you can go so deep with it because it's such a core part of who Jesus is and how he teaches. But some might say that this is Jesus' scorecard because as a Jew growing up, he would have known these words. He would have put them together. In fact, he, we know that he put these two phrases from the Old Testament together. Deuteronomy chapter 6 which says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. And Leviticus 19.24, that says, Love your neighbor as yourself. Jesus puts these two together in this conversation with these religious leaders. So we might kind of say this is a little bit of a scorecard because as he's asked to review all the law and the prophets, he's, he's confronted. Well, you tell me, Jesus, you know, how would you summarize God's words? How would you summarize the law and the prophets? How would you summarize this? What law is the greatest? And Jesus, you know, today's Father's Day. Jesus doesn't say, honor your parents. That's an important part of the Old Testament scriptures. Jesus doesn't go granular in how to love people, particularly in some of the things we see in the Old Testament. No, he brings these two phrases together, and he shares them. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind. Deuteronomy says strength. And then love your neighbor as yourself. It's not a new phrase. We've read this before. We've quoted it. You've heard it preached on probably. It wasn't new for Jesus or his disciples because Jesus knew these words and his disciples would have known these words. And he pulls them together. But they're meant to be meditated on. One New Testament scholar, Scott McKnight, he likes to call this the Jesus Creed. And he wrote a whole book just reflecting on these words. And in his understanding of the New Testament and first century Judaism, second temple Judaism as well, he he discovered that Jesus likely would have recited this phrase, this combined phrase, two or three times a day. So if you're like, wow, why are we going back to it today? Jesus would have recited this two or three times a day. It would have been some kind of like a creed for him that he would have kept front and center. So here's my heart as we approach the summer. I want to keep... This before our minds and our hearts and how it shapes our day, but how it shapes our whole summer. As we look towards the summer, I want us to think of how it shapes it. Now, summer, who's, like, is, who's 
uh, is summer's like whose favorite season here? Isn't it? Like, yeah, we've been through a hard winter. Spring, like, you're just cleaning and cleaning and cleaning. And then it's like summer is coming. And it's these about 100 days between June 21st and September 21st. And we're hitting June 21st, right? Today we're the 19th, so we're getting close to the official start of summer. Uh, last night, my family and I were downtown, and uh, thankfully we took the metro because as we walked on St. Catherine Street, it was just packed. And we're like, oh yeah, the Grand Prix, oh my gosh. And it was just like packed with people uh, starting to enjoy the summer. June 21st, September 21st, kind of like bookends of our favorite season. We love summer. Montreal has great opportunities for the summer, but we love summer. It's an opportunity to be outside, to be with friends, to sitting on terraces, to walking by the water, to going downtown, to the old port, to barbecuing with friends, to checking out festivals, whatever it might be. But here's, here's what I want to ask you today or tell you in a, in a certain brief way. Every season needs a strategy. Every season needs a strategy. This doesn't mean to like lift up your competitiveness, No just means that as we look towards a season like summer, even summer needs a strategy. And I think the great commandment of Jesus can be part of our strategy or what shapes our strategy for summer. And Jesus starts off with this first main goal. What if by the end of the summer we grew in our love for God? Jesus brings all this together. He says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. The first, this first kind of piece of our card for the summer is, how are we loving God? Or maybe if we step back a bit and say, how do we nurture our love for God? How are we being with God? To love God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. And so I want to encourage you to in- include in your summer something daily or even weekly or even periodically where you're coming back and saying, How am I growing in my love for God? Because 100 days are going to pass, and you're going to look back in the summer and say, hey, have I used any of this season to nurture my love for God? A couple of years ago, I came across a morning liturgy called Morning Prayer from a a community in Ireland. And uh, I started to use it personally every morning in, in my prayer times. And then we started to even use it when we had live prayer on Facebook during the pandemic. And often... Now it's become so, I've become so immersed in it that it just becomes part of, um, you know, what I'm thinking and, and, and how I start to pray. And it was sim- simply this, and it combined three texts. One thing I ask of the Lord, one thing I seek, that I may dwell in the house of the Lord all the days of my life to see the beauty of the Lord and to seek his temple. I'm going to come back to that verse in a second. And it went on and said, who do you seek? And the liturgy continues, says, I seek the Lord my God. Do you seek him with all your heart? And then we say, amen. We're affirming that. But then we say, Lord, have mercy, because I don't always meet that. Do you love him, do you, do you love him with all your mind and soul and strength? Yes, amen. I long to. I do. But then I say, have mercy on me, God, because I know that I don't always live into that. And then we move into John 6. says, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We have come to believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. To you, Lord Jesus Christ, we give praise and honor and glory. And so this was a morning ritual, a morning routine. And so here's, here's, my, here's my thought for you. What if every morning this summer we took Psalm 27.4, just that one that, was, that we'll put back on the screen, 
And this is here written from, from King David in the Psalms. He says, one thing I ask of the Lord, that will I seek after, to live in the house of the Lord all the days of my life, to behold the beauty of the Lord, and to inquire or seek him in his temple. There's two words that are so important there to help us start our days over the summer. Behold his beauty. Some versions say to gaze on his beauty. Imagine if every morning we just stood back and said, Lord, I want to behold, I want to see, I want to gaze your beauty. I want to look into your attributes and your heart and your goodness and your character and your holiness and your justice to behold who God is. And then that next phrase, inquire or seek, to seek him. What if every morning we just pause and these words became the start of our summer morning prayers? God, I want to seek you. God, I want to behold you. And so imagine on a scorecard. We're not like checking if you did perfect or not. We're not checking if you got an 80 or a 90 or a 60 or a 40. But you're saying, have I carved out time today and periodic times to be with Jesus? Have I done that personally? Have I done that communally in gatherings online with prayer groups? And this is all possible for you to do personally and possible to do with us as a church community. I know you guys got that card on your, on your chair, and part of that is describing some of the things that can happen this summer, like our gatherings, like maybe hosting a community group midsummer. Now, I know that, like you, I struggle with how can I be with God and bring my full self to God? And I read this book early in January. And I want to suggest it to you as a resource. It's called Being with God. Um, it's the, the, the picture's up on the screen. What, one of the things I loved about this book, it's really short chapters. And uh, it, it, the author just describes ways that I can slow down, be present with the Lord, uh, practice silence, uh, un, like try and learn how to kind of like get the noise out of the way. And he actually brings in some, some um, principles from neuroscience that helps us understand why we get distracted, why we struggle with silence, why we struggle with, with all the noise around us. And he brings it together in a really beautiful way with practices. And I thought, man, imagine that, you know, I know people are looking for a summer read. And like, this could be just one simple summer read. The beauty of this book is that the chapters are so short, you can read it like early in the morning or any time just for a few minutes, and you'll get through that. So there's a great book for you guys. But here's the goal. The goal is this, that this season would orient us around loving God and that we would choose personal practices and communal practices to help us orient ourselves around loving God. And then when that happens, we're surrendering ourselves to the Lordship of Jesus, saying, Jesus, lead my life. Lead my life. Help me to discern your voice. The second part of this, the summer, if we're thinking about Jesus' words, is not just loving God, but loving other people. To be with other people. To be with each other. Jesus says, love your neighbor. And of course, it's so much bigger than just being with a friend or being with someone from church or being with a family member. But all of us are neighbors to one another in some shape or form. And so Jesus calls us to love our neighbors. And I think one of the ways that we can plug this into our summer scorecard is the word hospitality. I love what, what Jesus says, sorry, not what Jesus, what Paul says in Romans 12, 13. He says, share with the Lord's people who are in need and then practice hospitality, not just to, not just to God's people, but to people around you. Hebrews 13, 2 says, do not neglect to show hospitality to strangers, for by doing that, 
Some have entertained angels without knowing it. And I know you're thinking like, is it possible my neighbor could be an angel? No, anyways. Uh, yeah, I'm not even going there. But, but the, the, the idea is that don't neglect showing hospitality. You never know how God is at work in the middle of that. Now, all that hospitality means is making space. I don't want you to get stuck in a mold like hospitality means i got to cook for 20 people. Some are like, Dave, if that's what hospitality means, that's not me. I can't do that. So don't get stuck in that. You, what hospitality is is making space for other people. How throughout the next 100 days will you make space for people? Will you make space for relationship? Whether you do that at home or you do that out. Whether you, whether you do that on your deck or balcony or you do it on a restaurant terrace. Whether you do it on your front lawn or you take the grass at Lakeshore Park along, along the Lakeshore in Point Claire and you use public grass to hang out with people and you make space for that. It doesn't matter how you do it. It doesn't matter if you use your own home or not. It doesn't matter if you love cooking up a storm or you'd rather take out. That's not the point. The point is how are we making space for people? See, some people are, are fueled by preparing their own space to connect with others, and some people are fueled by using public space to connect with others, and that's okay. How are we loving people through that? And sometimes we think that automatically means like a backyard and a living room and a dining room. Last time we were downtown, uh, a girl popped in the metro, and she was holding a box of puffs and, uh, you know, with, with all the sticks inside. And so I turned to my daughter and I said, well, you know what? She probably lives close to this metro station. She bought some puffs. She's jumping in. She's getting off three stops later and she's going to go see a friend. That was some, her version of making space for people. And that's okay. Sometimes the way you bless someone or you want to help someone is not always the way that other people are wired to help others. Just recently... There was someone that I, I wanted to spend time with and uh, get together with, and I was hoping my wife would be able to join me, and we talked about it, but time didn't work, and, and my version of blessing them was going out with them and, and, and doing something uh, with them out, you know, maybe, maybe in the West Island or downtown, and little did I know that she was already kind of blessing them under the radar, behind the scenes, on the phone, with a need, and see, my wiring is, let's go out. Her wiring is, I wake up at 5 in the morning, I can't go out tonight, right? It was a little different, and that's okay. And I'm often struck by learning that and figuring that out, and we need the freedom to be able to know that we're wired differently. So here's the practice for loving others. Make more space in your summer, at least once or twice or three times, with some people you know, and like we say here, with some people you're just getting to know or don't know yet with a neighbor or with, and with friends, with family or with others. But make space for people. It could be on your porch. It could be helping us with one of our summer events and you bring some friends to the movie night and to the ice cream in the park or a picnic midway through the summer. But make space for people. At the end of the summer, you'll look back and say, you know what, I was, I was able to, even if you said, I was able to make space for two or three people this summer, that's good. That's a good thing because we can sometimes choose so many other things and miss that. Miss love for God, miss love for people. Here's the last one. It might sound selfish. It might even come across as like something you might read at a self-help book at chapters. But trust me, it's in the scriptures. Love yourself. How are you going to love yourself this summer? Jesus said something interesting. He said, love God. And then he said, love your neighbor 
as yourself. Somehow there's something, there's this assumption inside Jesus' words that is not telling us to be selfish, is not telling us to love ourselves above other people or above God. It's not leading us towards individualism. I, I doubt Jesus would ever lead us to individualism or consumerism. But Jesus is saying something here. Love your neighbor as yourself. In other words, you want to love people and you want to do stuff for people. Part of the way you do that well is understanding that you're God's image bearer. Is understanding that you're being created in God's image. Is understanding that you're loved by the Father. Is understanding that you're valuable to God. And when we love others, there's two ways of, of looking at ourselves. One is... How can I love that person in a way that I would want to be loved back? That's one way of looking at it. The other way is saying, if God has loved me so much, if I'm so valuable to, the, to my Heavenly Father, if I'm His image bearer, and he, he, there's so much value and love and care in that, and God sent Christ to free me from the bondage of sin and rebellion to give me new life, if I am living and dwelling in that, my love towards God and neighbor is very different. So I encourage you to somehow figure out ways where you find renewal. How, the, how after the end of 100 days will you look back and will you understand yourself more as an image bearer than you did 100 days earlier? Will you understand yourself more as God's child than you did 100 days earlier? Where you find rest and renewal from the chaos and disruption and busyness and distractions of our world. How will you see yourselves as God's image bearer throughout the summer? What might that look like? That might look like you taking time, some time to renew yourself. Some time for you to grow, both spiritually and emotionally. Some time for you to rest. Here, here's the thing. Be, be very careful. The world wants to make our summers super jam-packed <laughs> and super busy and super filled with everything. They want us to go to everything. They want you to go to everything. They want you to be a part of everything. In fact, even churches want you to be a part of everything sometimes, right? But we have to step back and say, no, how, what part of my summer will I also find renewal? You might find renewal, definitely you will find renewal in loving God. You will find renewal in loving people appropriately. But there's also something of how am I resting with the Lord? So how will you love yourself this summer? Your need for renewal, your need for rest. Last night, my kids did an awesome Father's Day thing and they took me, surprised me, and took me to a jazz club downtown upstairs, and uh, there was a sax player I never heard of. He's been in Montreal for 10 years. He's, he's Israeli-born, and he had, he had a lot of uh, Israeli-influenced music. And one song he did, he said, you know, growing up in Israel, um, Sabbath is very regular for us. We think about this day that comes every seven days. And so I'm looking at Josh. He's a drummer. He's thinking, you know, normally people play in four beats, you know, like one, two, three, four, one. Well, he says, we're going to do this song in seven, four. It's going to have seven beats because it's going to remind us when we get back to the one, hey, we're starting fresh. And it was influenced, and it was cool. The song was actually called Shabbaton, not Chabatoni, not like Nick Chabatoni here. But uh, I guess there's some, like, you know, Hebrew and Italian that can mix in a bit. But the, the song was called Shabbaton. It was a 7-4, and it was reminding us that on the seventh day, we rest. That on the seventh day, we stop. I loved that 
in the middle of a bunch of noise downtown last night, and probably a lot of crazy things going on because of the Grand Prix, that even for a moment, this guy wasn't a Christian, but his, his seven-beat song related back to the Sabbath, me in this little club with my family, I was reminded, God's calling me to honor this. God's calling me to stop, to rest, to delight, to contemplate regularly throughout my summer, throughout my year. And so my encouragement to you is, how, do, how are you going to learn to rest? How are you going to learn to take this beautiful biblical principle called Sabbath and incorporate it into your summer? How are you going to get that? For some of you, it is going to be some time alone, some walks, some time by the water, uh, some time, you know, canoeing, um, some time with friends, getting some vitamin D, maybe doing some barbecues. I'm not sure, but some of these things that will end up helping you rest. So I want to kind of just summarize this. And you can put the last picture on the screen, Alexa, and it's just kind of bring this card together. So when we look at our summer, when we think of the words of Jesus, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself, I think this would be a, a wonderful vision for our summer. How are we going to grow in our love for God? How are we loving ourselves? And not to feel like, of course, love of God is primary. Love of others is a command of Christ. But there's an assumption here in the words of Jesus that we cannot do those things when we're completely run dry, when we're completely off. So I want to summarize with that. And they all work together. They all work together. If you see this as a to-do list, we've already failed. Not a to-do list. It's a, it's a joyful view of how do I want to grow by the end of the summer? How can I be more in tune with the Lord, more responsive to a few people in my, lives, in my life, and more rested and ready for the journey ahead? Because if you, if you and I see loving God and loving others as robbing ourselves, then we've also missed the point. Because our love for God and our nurture of our relationship with God and our love for others is part of a way that God fuels us. So it all comes back full circle. I'm going to ask the team to come up. And uh, as we come to a close this morning so we can just focus some time uh, in worship and prayer. But I hope this, this scorecard is helpful. And here's the reason why. Culture will dictate your summer this, this, this season. The news, uh, ads, uh, invitations it's going to dictate your summer. You're going to want to cram so much stuff in. You're going to want to see every site. You're going to want to try and keep busy. You're going to think of all the things you didn't get done and you missed to get done. And I'm telling you, the world and culture will want to dictate your summer. As Christ followers, every day, every season, but especially this season, we can be shaped by the greatest commandment to love the Lord our God with all we have to love our neighbors as we love ourselves. So I don't want us to let this summer go by without intention to it. And, and here's, here's this last thing as we go into worship. In Deuteronomy 6, when these words were first written, 
what prefaced love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength with these simple words. Hear, O Israel, the Lord is one. Hear, that's that first word. Hear, O Israel. That's the original phrase. And so my invitation to you as we take some time just to bring all this before the Lord is you, you've heard me talk today. You see the scorecard. You read the scripture. You're already thinking of ideas maybe on what my summer could look like. Let me just encourage you. Would you pause early on before the summer kicks in? Would you pause to hear God's voice? To hear God's voice in this text that we read, but also to hear God's voice through his spirit because you want him to shape your scorecard. You don't want to shape your scorecard only. You don't want culture to shape your scorecard. You don't want your kids' soccer team to shape, your, to shape the scorecard, right? You don't want the swimming meet or the ads or everything else to shape the scorecard. You want to hear God's voice. So before this summer starts, would you take this week, 30, 45, 60 minutes, even if it's only 15 minutes, to plan your summer before the Lord, before the Lord, and start using Psalm 27, 4, before the Lord. Do you think the next 100 days is worth it? Do you, do you think the next 100 days is worth these values? Who thinks they're worth these values? I think they're worth these values. I think by the end of the summer, these values will be very vital to us. I think it's worth it. Let's stand and pray, and we'll worship for a moment. Yes. Bless you, Jesus. God, I know even as we've, as we've come today, today's a busy day for some families and we've already got things scheduled for this summer and other things we think of thinking on the go or maybe we have some, some sadness of things we can't do that we would like to do or things we can't afford that we would like to do, God. And I just pray, Lord, right now, we would, as followers of Jesus and as maybe some in this room who are exploring what it means to know Jesus, we pause right now, God, because we know, we know that there's some goodness out there in our summer. There's some goodness out there in our city. There's some goodness out there in the parks and the lakeshore and the waters and the camping trails and the vacation spots. We, we know that, God. We know there's beautiful creativity that also tells us of your creativity in some of the festivals in our city. But we also know, God, that if we just... Uh, fall into these systems wholeheartedly, we might be overburdened and overwhelmed and, and distracted or sidetracked. So God, we, we want these next hundred days to be guided by our love for you, by our love for others and our neighbors, and by an acknowledgement that we are loved by you that we are your image bearers. And that you've also designed for us to find renewal physically, emotionally, and spiritually. So God, I pray that each of us would take time this week to sit on our own with you, just to sit with, with you, to bring this summer before you, to let you shape it. Maybe some of us have planned too much Maybe, maybe some of us haven't planned anything. Maybe some of us need to leave room for spontaneity. Maybe some of us are, are, have, have overplanned just for us, 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 and not others. Lord, I pray that Jesus' greatest commandment would be our guide for this season. 
So we bring this to you and ask you, Lord, to lead us in this. And we surrender to you with, with full dependence on you, with rest. It's not a competition. We're already loved by you today. We will be loved by you tomorrow. And we thank you for that, God, that we can rest in that right off the bat. In Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for listening. We hope this message helps guide you on your spiritual journey of discovering the life and message of Jesus. We update this podcast weekly, so why not hit subscribe and journey with us? Who are we? Westside Gathering is a local church in the West Island of Montreal. We're a simple community of faith where we want you to feel welcome, even if you're not into church or religion. We meet every Sunday, but you can also find smaller groups, environments, and resources for all ages between Sundays. Find out more at westsidegathering.com. You can also find us on Facebook, Instagram, and Vimeo. We'd love to hear from you. Ask a question, ask for help, or let us know how we can pray for you. If you'd like to contribute financially, just go to westsidegathering.com forward slash giving. Until next time, peace.